0: Now, we said, I go to America. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda is roughly around 27 years at this time. Uh, and this is where his, you know, that true mission begins. Everything that he's done up till this moment has just been a preparation for all that is to come. And when we're ready... At any time in each of our lives, at whatever age that might be, every now and then these insights come, these intuition comes, these inspirations come, and not all of us um, are able to follow through. Not all of us have the courage to say, "All right, I'm going to set everything aside." Narayani said in the last class where we weren't really tuning into it. Just, I'm going to leave everything I have built, everything that was so dear to my heart, and just embark on this completely unknown this completely unforeseen new direction in my life. And we talked about how that intuition begins to kind of express itself. First, ji had that vision. These must be Americans. Then he acts immediately. The moment he feels that's the direction that that inner intuition is guiding him towards, he just immediately says goodbye <laughs> to everybody in the class, and in, the, in the school, and says, all right, I'm off. I may not see you ever again. But then, so that action moves energy towards that intuition. He then goes to his guru and asks him, you know, what do you think? Is this true? Is this right? Is that real? And we were talking about the importance of always checking in, even after you've put the energy out, which is very important, not just sitting there and say, oh, I received this intuition and just assuming it will play out just because you felt it. But then to check with somebody wiser than yourself and just kind of get a little feedback. What do you think? This is what I feel and of course as Guru says all doors are open it is now or never. And that never part is interesting if he hadn't made that journey then it would have been never and Paramahansa Yogananda's life direction would be very 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 different. And then of course, obstacles begin to come. He doesn't have money, <laughs> he doesn't know how he's gonna get there. Things that are not mentioned in this particular chapter, he doesn't even have a passport. Mm-hmm. And this is right after World War I ends, nothing's moving, nobody's being issued new things. This is the first ship that is leaving India since the four or five years of the war period. And just the whole miraculous story, which is not in this chapter, but ji talks about elsewhere that allows him to get onto that boat and then suddenly of course in the middle of all of this he has this idea of going to america but he doesn't know
1: how? why how or is it? how
0: or he's not going to be like all right i'm off but then he gets this invitation from the um, congress of religious liberals out of the blue and says oh we'd like for you to come and speak so intuition is then kind of played out in these several different steps That can be a very fun thing for us each of us to explore every day of our lives whatever thought comes start putting energy into it check with somebody else see what feedback the universe gives you see what obstacles come your way see whether that obstacle is something for you to lift your energy and raise more energy or perhaps it's feedback from the universe telling you okay not right now so on and so forth so Mm. with that we come to the moment where he's not yet off his father has just given him some money and said, as a disciple of Lahiri Mahashaya, I support you, not, not as a father. father. <laughs> he
1: didn't and, want to let that go. <laughs> you know, he, he had
0: to establish it. As a father, I'm not letting you go. But as a disciple of Lahiri Mahashaya, I can't help but support you, fulfill his vision for you. And so we come here now, page 336. As I went about my preparations to leave Master leave master, and my native land for the unknown shores of America, I experienced not a little trepidation. So, you know, a little nervousness sets in, a little, oh no, I hope I'm making the right decision. You know, just the natural flow of anything where we know we're going to do something big, something we've not done before, something that's going to ask a lot of us. I had heard many stories about the materialistic western atmosphere, one very different from the spiritual background of India, pervaded with the centuried aura of saints. An oriental teacher who will dare the western airs, I thought, must be hardy beyond the trials of any Himalayan cold. So Master is comparing and he's like, wow, I'd rather go up into the mountains and, you know, brave yeah, the cold cool. and the and the elements there than set foot in an environment where I'm not going to be supported by any spiritual vibration at all. I don't have my guru there. I don't have India's, you know, just centuryed aura of the saints which have infused this place. Wherever you go there, temples, wherever you go there, God-reminding realities. I'm going to step into a culture that I'm not ready for. One morning I began to pray with an adamant determination to continue to even die praying until I heard the voice of God. How many of us have said we will do that but haven't really done that i'm just going to sit here and meditate until god comes to us half an hour later legs are hurting and oh i'm a little thirsty (laughs) and then suddenly that determination yeah we can push a couple of hours we can even get to three or four hours but not too many of us can say i'll sit here until i die that was like what buddha did didn't even for his enlightenment i'm just gonna sit here no matter what even if i die i will not move until i receive Enlightenment. So that's one way for us to go about it. I wanted his blessing and assurance that I would not lose myself in the fogs of modern utilitarianism. My heart was set to go to America, but even more strongly was it resolved to hear the solace of divine permission. Now, this is another interesting aspect of Intuition for me because now he's not doubting the move He knows this is what I have received. My guru has said I have to go all doors are open quite literally allowing me to go but in the process of following any direction We have to the question isn't so much whether we'll achieve the goal of what whatever that vision was it's like will I Become who I need to become in the process or will I lose myself in the process will my original Intentions get derailed even while you know It's like you have an intuition that says you have to start this business You have to make this thing happen You have to you know go to a certain place and it might be the right thing for you to do But the question is how are you going to be able to achieve it? will you be able to achieve it on solid spiritual principles Or will you just because you think you have an intuition and that you have to fulfill it, you're just going to do whatever it takes, however that affects you in the process of achieving. And one thing you can see, Ji being very mindful of is, I know I have to do this, but I really need to know that you won't let me lose myself in the process. You won't let me somehow, and it's tricky, anything is tricky. It's tricky for Narayani and me here. Um, you know, you kind of sit up here, you're facing a camera, you're telling people all these deep things, and it's tricky for us to lose ourselves into thinking, oh, you know, look at me, I can explain all these really heavy subjects, and I can, oh, I have started this center, and so many people come here. It's tricky because the ego is tricky, and it can really start to corrupt the very spiritually uplifting, the very important thing that you know God himself perhaps is asking you to do, but that too can get corrupted. And that's the one thing I think, Yogananda, you can see the underlying fear, almost nervousness was, will this change me? Will this, and not transform me, but change me? Will it affect me in a way that I'm not ready to be affected?
1: I was thinking that how can we put this paragraph I mean, like bring it down a little bit more to our level. And I was thinking, Master here says in this chapter, the title is, I go to America. But what about us every day? I go to work. I go to college. I go to the ashram every day. I go to visit my parents. Uh, I go to the kitchen. To cook. And do we pray before we start our day, before we go to that office, before we go to serve our parents, before we go to the ashram, before we start getting busy in the daily activities? Do, do we pray with that intensity to make sure that we go about our day with the determination of not? Allowing the ego to step in. And do we put that intention of today I'm going to do my best to do everything with God's reminder there in God's reminder?
0: God remembrance?
1: God remembrance in my heart. And I'm not going to let anything or anyone interfere in that daily resolution. And I think this is a very important Aspect to keep in mind if we want to grow spiritually faster it's about every minute the intention that we put it every single day counts and as Master said the minutes are more important than the years and you know every year every day I I just go to the ashram every day I go to work And I think this could be a good thing to keep in mind. Every day we embark on a journey. Every day we need to ask for Babaji's blessings to bring out the best of ourselves and above all, never ever forget that God has to be in the picture in everything that we do. Uh, Let's pray for it because temptation is strong Maya is strong, and we start our day like very nicely for the first five, ten minutes, but then half an hour after, suddenly something happens, and we react, or our energy drops, or we judge, or whatever that might be, so it takes a lot of willpower, and prayer is a very powerful tool, but here Yogananda says how to pray. And I think this is something we can introduce right now more consciously, to pray more strongly, to don't be distracted daily by the ego.
0: I prayed and prayed, muffling my sobs. No answer came. My silent petition increased in excruciating crescendo until at noon I had reached a zenith. My brain could no longer withstand the pressure of my agonies. If I cried once more with an increased depth of my inner passion, I felt as though my brain would split. At that moment, there came a knock outside the vestibule adjoining the Garpa road room in which I was sitting, opening the door I saw a young man in the scanty garb of a renunciate. He came in, closed the door behind him, and refusing my request to sit down, indicated with a gesture that he wished to talk to me while standing. A side note is this room still exists in Garfar Road and uh, we're hoping to take a pilgrimage soon in January and go visit, you know, of course, Ji's home, and then Dakshineshwar, Serampur, the ashram there, where Babaji came under the banyan, uh, tree. banyan tree as well, on the Raighat lane, and uh, Dakshineshwar, and so on and all. But that very room exists where Babaji entered in, and, you know, said, "What well, we will now hear him say, he must be Babaji, I thought, dazed, because the man before me had the features of a younger Lahiri Mahasaya. He answered my thought. Yes, I am Babaji. He spoke melodiously in Hindi. Our Heavenly Father has heard your prayer. He commands me to tell you, follow the behests of your Guru and go to America. Fear not, you will be protected. I like over here hear how he kind of phrases his benediction and his support follow the behests of your guru and go to America he doesn't say I am telling you now like because I'm a higher power because I'm you know greater than if I am telling it to you then therefore you never have to think everything Babaji is doing even in Yogananda Ji's life in all our lives is through the channels that he himself has kind of set for us follow the behests of your guru so he's thereby naturally making Sri Yukteswar ji the authority mm-hmm. through which even Baba Ji is saying tere Guru bola you do that I'm not coming here to tell you something different I'm not coming here to change, you know, your perception or to add something on top of what somebody else has told you I am just telling you once again do what your Guru has said to you to do Fear not, you will be protected So this was At least this side is like, do what your Guru has asked and then you have nothing to fear for you will be protected. After a vibrant pause, Babaji addressed me again. You are the one I have chosen to spread the message of Kriya Yoga in the West. Long ago, I met your Guru Sri Sri Upteshwar at a Kumbh Mela. I told him then I would send you to him for training. Remember that moment we... Passed a few chapters ago. Yogananda ji at that time was one year old at the time of their
1: meeting. I like here that he writes here after a vibrant (laughs) pause. I mean, why he had to add that there? A vibrant pause. Every exchange these two masters had. There are those moments of silence where there is so much transmission of consciousness, of power, the ability of Yoganandaji to, to feel that vibrant pause, to listen carefully what Babaji was addressing, not just with words, but with a consciousness, with a power. I love the fact that Master wrote that, you know, like almost an advice for all of us. You know, when you talk to people, just give yourself that pause to understand, you know, the consciousness, the vibration that is emanating from their body, their heart, their spiritual eye towards you and try to understand. And what really emanates uh, from a self-realized master, I mean, even silence speaks, even silence has the power to transmit a message. And if we are centered enough, if we are receptive enough, there is so much that we can absorb and we can even understand from pauses like the hong and saw. I mean, that pause can be so powerful. And this is something that, again, as aspiring yogis, as Kriyabans, as aspiring saints, we could start giving more emphasis to the pauses throughout the day, pauses while we are speaking with people when we are listening to them because there is a vibration there that we we will be able to receive and understand much more deeply from it
0: i'm remembering that little interaction swamiji had with swami dattav oh, yeah. just before you know two saints just sitting together of course they didn't quite speak each other's outward language but they were just smile and stare at each other and then you know I mean for half an hour or so maybe maybe
1: less yeah, 10 but... words
0: were spoken or just you know just a few basic but they just stood there and they would just look into each other's eyes just Listen smile and that. beam and you could tell that they were communicating <laughs> on an entirely different level that none of us were able to pick up on. I was speechless and choked with devotional awe. At his presence and deeply touched to hear from his own lips that he had guided me to Sri Uptishwar. I lay prostrate before the deathless guru. He graciously lifted me from the floor, telling me many things about my life. He then gave me some personal instruction and uttered a few secret prophecies. Every time I would read this, I would wonder, are like, oh, those? Be?
1: Why? Why? I don't think we are ready for no. such information.
0: Kriya Yoga, the scientific technique of God-realization, he finally said with solemnity, will ultimately spread in all lands and aid in harmonizing the nations through man's personal transcendental perception of the Infinite Father. It's very interesting that throughout this book Babaji keeps saying this. He keeps saying Kriya Yoga will ultimately spread in all lands and aid in harmonizing the nations through man's personal transcendental perception. I mean he said it many times Kriya Yoga is going to bring the whole world together. Kriya Yoga is going to destroy all boundaries and separations because man will have finally a more unitive experience and We don't see, I mean, we see Kriya Yoga as, it's mine, you know, it's my route to salvation and (laughs) What do I care about anybody else in this process? But for Babaji, he's really seeing Kriya Yoga as a a world uniting tool that none of us really look at our meditation practice from that perspective, you know We just really look at it from this is what I do when I sit and I close my eyes That's me. That's my Kriya Yoga. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because we don't know when that's going to be but he's just saying it over and over again, again and again. Sri Yukteswar said it before, Master said it in a previous chapter. Just that's the entire idea behind sharing this particular technique across all lands is that that is what will harmonize and bring the world together.
1: I was remembering when India was going through the highest COVID cases. I mean, it was a bit scary, and many of us, you know, Ananda India especially, decided to practice Kriya. All our Kriyas was uh, were dedicated, you know, to to almost support and infuse and bring light into the chaos that was happening. And I remember having incredible meditations where where I really felt united to those who were struggling with that disease physically, with other families that we didn't know. I mean, it had a power to Emphas, emphasize, um, sympathize, sympathize,
0: empathize.
1: Oh my God, <laughs> empathize, <laughs> empathize, empathize or sympathize, and, I guess, and, work. And kind of bring your energy and open your heart and be part of their process. And I kind of see it in that way that Kriya Yoga really expands your consciousness and and invites everyone in your heart, whether you know them or not, whether they are struggling or not. I mean, all those walls are being dissipated. And, and I remember it was quite a powerful experience. Yeah,
0: it was. With a gaze of majestic power, the master electrified me by a glimpse of his cosmic consciousness. In a short while, he started toward the door. That's just right in there, like this little, you know. Instantly, Babaji transferred to him a glimpse of his cosmic consciousness. Do not try to follow me, he said. You will not be able to do so. Please, Babaji, don't go away. I cried repeatedly. Take me with you. (laughs) You can just see the scene playing out, right? Like a little child. (laughs) Papa! Papa! you know don't go like, take like me
1: you're you. a also know like don't send me back <laughs>
0: Don't <send> me. <laughs> babaji like, has like a, a a nasty habit of like coming to people and then saying all right now you go about do your own thing
1: <laughs> yeah but all of them go through the same experience it seems
0: please babaji don't go away i cried repeatedly take me with you looking back he replied not now some other time. And that's a great promise, isn't it? Overcome by emotion, I disregarded his warning. As I tried to pursue him, I discovered that my feet were firmly rooted to the floor. From the door, Babaji gave me a last affectionate glance. He raised his hand by way of benediction and walked away, my eyes fixed on him longingly
1: you know made me make me makes me think about Sri Yukteswar and Master are very similar there is a temperament there that is pretty much the same both of them disregarded (laughs) Babaji you know like when Babaji told Sri Yukteswar on that encounter just don't go. We are people who like to be under the trees and show Sri one. No, no, he was just like disobedient, just left. And of course, when he came back, Babaji wasn't there anymore. Now Babaji telling master, you know, don't follow me. Just stay there, master. No, I'm going to follow. So you can see that rebellious spirit in the guru disciple. Both of them kind of confronted a little bit, Babaji.
0: There's a little... Story where one of Master's disciples, I believe, was apologizing to Master for being so stubborn. And then Master said, that's all right. I attract stubborn people. So you can see where his stubbornness comes from. After After a few minutes, my feet were free. I sat down and went into deep meditation, unceasingly thanking God, not only for answering my prayer, but the bless, by blessing me by a meeting with Babaji. My whole body seemed sanctified through the touch of the ancient ever youthful master. Long had it been my burning desire to behold him. Until now, I have never recounted to anyone the story of my meeting with Babaji. Isn't that amazing? almost 25, 26 years between that voyage and when Master started writing. Until now, I have never recounted this story to anyone, holding it as the most sacred of my human experiences. Mm. I have hidden it in my heart. But the thought occurred to me that readers of this autobiography may be more inclined to believe in the reality of the secluded Babaji and his world interests if I relate that I saw him with my own eyes. I have helped an artist to draw a true picture of the great yogi Christ of modern India. It appears in this book. The eve of my departure for the United States found me in Sri Yukteswar's holy presence. Forget you were born a Hindu. And don't be an American, take the best of them both. Master said in his calm way of wisdom, be your true self, a child of God. Seek and incorporate into your being the best qualities of all your brothers scattered over the earth in various races. Such a beautiful and powerful mm. piece of advice, isn't it? Mm. Forget you were born a Hindu and don't be an American. <laughs> you know, Take the best of them both. It's just such a practical advice for each of us. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get too caught up in where you come from, what your self-definitions are, how you see yourself, how you see others. Always be open. To bring the best of whatever it is you have brought until this moment and try to receive the best in any situation you've been placed from anybody you've been placed with.
1: Yeah, like don't identify yourself by what you do, where you are.
0: What your name is. What your
1: name is.
0: But just very, you know, practical. When you're going over there, don't try to impose your, ah, uh, this is what I'm bringing to you. And this is a very interesting thing. Those of us who know more in detail, Yoganandaji's journey through the West, how he comes about and introduces the teachings of Sanatana Dharma and self-realization. He had to pick it up, not from, you know, God realization. He couldn't pick it up from moksha, from freedom, which would be his natural inclination. He had to pick it up from diet and health Anything. and relationships and healing and you know, you just had to see what is the need of these people and what is going to actually make sense to them. And back then, he actually received a lot of flack from, you know, the Indian kind of traditional outlook and says, why is he going and, you know, giving these so-called superficial aspects of our teachings, but that's what allowed him then to be able to go deeper because when it worked, on the level of people's health, when it worked on the level of their relationships, when it worked on the level of how to achieve greater success and concert. things that we talk about today and we think is absolutely natural. Today, in fact, the majority of what we would call spirituality is really just another means to kind of get what you want. Be successful, you know. but use these principles, which is nice. You know, find the best soulmate in the world and you know, materialize whatever you want and visualize the highest self and that's what we assume, you know, affirm this great truth and they're all true teachings but that's what a m- vast majority of the spiritual movement has become. You know, this world's gonna give you everything you want if you know how to manipulate the spiritual laws. And Now we consider that like totally normal, but but then, this was unheard of. No spiritual teacher went to the West and said, this is how I'm going to introduce you to God through this complete backdoor channel of first showing you what you can achieve in this world through these principles. And it was revolutionary at the time and it allowed him to have the impact that he had. And he continues to have these many decades later. Let's see this let's read this once again this last line Mm -hmm. be your true self your true self our true self is neither man nor woman nor hindu nor muslim nor christian because those are temporary selves next life i'm going to be something else and the following i'm going to be something else how long will i cling on to this one identity Mm -hmm. be your true self a child of god Seek and incorporate into your being the best qualities of all your brothers scattered over the earth in various races. You know Swamiji often told us that every race, every country, every tribe, every community, they have a characteristic vibration in consciousness. You know when we think in India we say, oh he's uh, he's a banya, which means to us he's really good at business. You know that they're very smart people. They know how to, you know, they know how to work in America we, as, or in the West. The Jews are often kind of seen as they're very smart people. They can make things happen. They're very good at business because that's an underlying vibration of their consciousness. Every race in this world has a particular consciousness and that's why we're drawn to them depending on whatever the vrittis that are vibrating at the time of our birth. And that's what we need to be looking at, this entire world together. If I can unite in me all the qualities of all these outward races, I could in fact become that perfect expression of God. Concentration from this set of people, great prosperity from this set of people, a relaxed attitude from this set of people, you know, when you're in Hawaii, all the Hawaiians are really relaxed people. They're not interested in running around and getting restless all the time. They want to just be. And that's a quality you want. But if that's the only quality you take, then ooh, your energy starts to drop. And so take the absolute best of all your brothers scattered across the world through every race that's such a wonderful and practical way to meditate on what can I draw from whom even in India we've just got so many little communities each of them with such a characteristic when we think of the Punjabi when you think of the Sikh I mean it's just like that warrior serviceful energy that just comes through you just see them on the street and you just feel a certain respect you just feel like wow you know something special about this person and you want to draw that from them You want to feel that vibration from them. Make it a part of who you are. Then he blessed me. All those who come to you with faith, seeking God, will be helped. As you look at them, the spiritual current emanating from your eyes will enter into their brains and change their material habits, making them more god conscious wow what a blessing to receive from your guru not that they'll hear what you say and you'll speak really well and you'll convince them you know by the virtue of your words no a spiritual current will emanate from your eyes and enter into their brains and change their material habits making them more god conscious but you know this is not a blessing that's unique to yogananda ji alone in the sense that of course you know he could truly do that but we too can attempt to do that in our daily lives through your eyes try to send out those vibrations send out light into people's hearts and try to change them more from the consciousness that you would like To share with them rather than constantly trying to convince them through your words. Why you do what is right. Like a parent constantly telling their child what to do. Have you ever tried sending them spiritual vibrations through your eyes? That would be something again just very practical to try. Rather than why aren't you studying and why aren't you doing this. And you know this is how your life will turn out if you don't get these many marks. You know just... The only way we know how to change people, unfortunately, is through fear. We have to lay before them all the problems that will come if they don't follow. I mean, even to a certain degree, the spiritual path, people are drawn to it because of fear. Oh, I might get sick or this might happen or my, you know, husband is going through this problem. So therefore, now I'm looking to learn Reiki and whatever it is. But if you could just think about what are what is the consciousness i would like to be able to transmit and do that and that really changes people is just the truth we may not be able to make them god conscious through our power because we ourselves aren't quite god conscious yet but whatever we have we will be able to transmit to them through our vibrations
1: i was thinking about one episode of someone telling me a few years ago that Swami Kriyananda looked at him just once for a couple of seconds he didn't even say anything just glanced at him and he said that since then uh, he's a completely different person he joined the spiritual path he's now a Kriya band. he's just super committed and all because just a glance just a couple of seconds looking at somebody else's eyes and to be able to change their destiny their karma their habits their desires their goals and that's why eventually um, each one of us as you were mentioning could do as well for other people. How do we look at others when they are talking, when they are sharing their own experiences, when they are not even looking at you? How do you look at them? And I think there is a power that comes through our eyes. Master said that the eyes are the windows of the soul, and we should learn to speak much more from our eyes than from our words. So if you are a person that uses your eyes to to send a harsh message, <laughs> maybe soften your expression, maybe bring more light into it, maybe bring more kindness. Use the tool of your eyes to communicate and to exchange uplifting vibrations because for the majority of us, you know, spiritual inclined people, we always remember mostly two things about each other, their smiles and their eyes. I think these are two characteristics of spiritual people that will be forever remembered in our consciousness one of the things that I remember the most about Swami Kriyananda is his smile and that's like so powerful other people like this, friend of ours his eyes so use these two instruments to share more of your consciousness to refine yourself more to to offer it as your daily seva to those Uh, to whom you are living
0: with. He went on, your lot to attract sincere souls is very good. Everywhere you go, even in a wilderness, you will find friends. Both of his blessings have been amply demonstrated. I came alone to America into a wilderness without a single friend. But there I found thousands ready to receive the time-tested soul teachings. I left India in August 1920 on the city of Sparta, the first passenger boat sailing for America after the close of World War I. I had been able to book passage only after the removal, in ways fairly miraculous, of many red tape difficulties concerned with the granting of my passport. During the two months voyage, a fellow passenger found out that I was the Indian delegate to the Boston Congress. Swami Yogananda, he said, with the first of many quaint pronunciations by which I was later to hear my name spoken by the Americans, please favor the passengers with a lecture next Thursday night. I think we would all benefit by a talk on the battle of life and how to fight it. Alas, I had to fight the battle of my own life, I discovered on Wednesday, desperately trying to organize my ideas into a lecture in English. Remember when he went to Sri Yukteswar and said, I've never lectured publicly and I don't speak English. Are you sure I should go to America? I finally abandoned all preparations, my thoughts like a wild cold, eyeing a saddle, refused any cooperation with the laws of English grammar. Fully trusting in my master's past assurances, however, I appeared before my Thursday audience in the salon of the steamer. No eloquence rose to my lips. Speechlessly, I stood before the assemblage. After an endurance contest, Lasting 10 minutes, the audience realized my predicament and began to laugh. That's your first experience. You're off to America. Here you are and you have to give this lecture. You have to give this talk to, you know, just a smaller group than what you are going to later on. For 10 minutes, he stood there, unable to speak. 10 minutes is a long time.
1: It's a long time. Standing there
0: before everybody for 10 Minutes, and then on top of that people start realizing that you have an issue. What do they do? They start laughing I mean that makes it harder and harder and harder and harder The situation was not funny to me at the moment Indignantly, I sent a silent prayer to master You can speak his voice sounded instantly within my consciousness My thoughts fell at once into a friendly relation with the English language. 45 minutes later, the audience was still attentive. The talk won me a number of invitations to lecture later before various groups in America. Amazing, isn't it, in that moment? Each of us have what we consider our limitations, each of us have this is it. This is all I can do. I can't do this. I can't do that. But I was speaking to somebody the other day who was telling me, you know, a list of all the things he thinks he can do. And I said, you know, Swamiji always said, well, yeah, we can't do much, but God can do anything through us. God has no limitations at all. And our guru has no limitations at all. And when Yoganandaji finally kind of got his energy into the spine when was able to send a <laughs> cosmic telegram to his guru all right speak and then suddenly he becomes friendly with the english language i like how he puts it yeah. there's a little story My swamiji
1: existence.
0: swamiji would tell about when he was in college and he had to give a greek exam He was studying greek for some reason and um You know, and he hadn't attended any class, and he'd not prepared at all, and tomorrow's the exam, and he's looking at the books, and he says, as the saying goes, it's all Greek to me, Um, and he says, when he was trying to receive, thinking that Greek is this foreign language, how I have to learn all the rules, and I have to understand this language from my mind, he said, of course, (laughs) they were not being friends but he says when he then got into this space and he said he started affirming very powerfully i am greek i am greek and he says suddenly everything made sense to him (laughs) suddenly the language was like oh yeah this is my own language and then it began to flow so that's another very interesting moment it's like how do you make friends with what you would consider your difficulties, your limitations? How can you overcome the separation that says that's that, this is me, this is difficult? To say, oh, mm-hmm. how could I be a friend to this? How could I make this feel that this is my very own?
1: I have tried so many times. With English? I, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know why. It, I probably am I don't English. have that willpower that Yukananda had. Well, you
0: had this whole episode where Narayani thought she needs to learn English, you know, after all these years, so she reaches out to a lady here in, in our society yes. as an English teacher. And, um, you know, they meet and they all fix up, okay, every week, uh, we're, twice, you know, a on, week. Yeah, twice a week, we'll have this special private English classes. narayani's all I happy. So now, excited. finally, I'm going to be able to speak English perfectly. <laughs> And then the next week the lady says, Oh, you know, I can't do it this week. Let's do it the following week. Next week she says, I can't oh I've just gone off to go and I'm coming up come back three weeks later. So when I'm back, then we'll start. Not even had one class yeah. yet. I'm so, still
1: waiting for her. So we told know.
0: I don't think Master wants you to go in that direction because yeah, I we to... all think you speak English yeah. just fine.
1: Anyway, I would like to <laughs> wrap up this wrap class it up. today with all of us, perhaps throughout this week, just to practice these three advices that Sri Yukteswar gave to Yogananda before he embarked uh, on a mission. Um, we have a mission also every day. As I was saying before, go to work, go to the office, go to your children, come to the ashram, whatever that might be. And, and these three concepts could be very good to keep in mind. And of course, the first one, forget about who you think you are. Don't identify yourself daily with what you do, uh, who you know, your name, your age, your gender, just go above all those things. And constantly tell to yourself, I'm a child of God, and this is who I really am and and keep that daily in the back of your consciousness and, and see if that helps you to interact with this world and with yourself differently secondly to use the power of your eyes as a tool of communication to soften your facial expressions to to share the blessings of your daily meditation through your eyes through that look through that loving gaze to everyone around you. Use the power of your eyes to transmit, to support, to encourage other people. And the third one, I would say, wherever you go, be a friend to all. In whatever setting God has placed you, be a divine friend. Be that person that everyone wants to be around. Offer your friendship first. Don't expect for other people to treat you in the way you think they ought to. Just reach out your hand first, and wherever you will go, as Sri Yukteswar said to Master, you will have friends. You will attract those friends. So um, I think these three um, advices, practices, could be a very good one to keep in mind and just perfect them within ourselves.
0: All right, everybody, have a blessed weekend. And we'll see you all on Tuesday. Unless we see you tomorrow, we're inviting everyone to the ashram. It's a seva day. That's why people are (laughs) staying away. But there's a lot of scrubbing and cleaning and lots of fun to be had. And we'll chant and we'll meditate before.